Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, flying this ship solo as we get ready to close up, believe it or not, as we get ready to close out um, Fright Fest 5, The Body Politic. Uh, we, are, we are wrapping up with horror movies already. This month is almost over. Um, we're going to do our last, uh, this is our last mini-sode. Well, maybe not our last mini-sode, but we'll, we'll see. I think, I think I'm going to have... Um, I think I'm going to get one more episode in before this month officially ends. But in terms of our series here, this is our last mini-sode uh, to prime you and get you ready for our final double feature uh, to come out this, uh, a double feature episode to come out this Friday. Uh, so in this episode, we will, this mini-sode, we'll be talking about enforcement. Uh, previously, we had talked about, obviously, legislation, uh, the, the power elite, or just the elites, however you want to call them. And now we're going to be talking about enforcement. And as I mentioned in the, in the previous episode, I structured these as kind of the, um, the way to think about these as the escalating threat against the individual. Um, well, I mean, it could be even more than the individual, but just call it the escalating threat, right? Like legislation is a threat. Individual politics, individual politicians and individual um, power players, you know, in the business world, the political world, um, you know, wherever else, uh, you know, whatever, you know, those large spheres of influence. Um, you know, they're, they're the next, they're an even bigger threat. But then when it comes to a very immediate threat, uh, especially against the physical well-being of an individual or, you know, or a society or, you know, whatever, um, the most immediate and dangerous threat is in fact enforcement. And again, one of the things I just, I didn't want to call this military, even though, uh, even though both of them, even though both the movies we're going to cover for the, for the double feature are military movies. Um, I, I do want to make it clear it's not just about the military. And in fact, the most pers- the most pervasive form of enforcement um, of, you know, both federal of, of federal laws of or, you know, you just call it um, the the most pervasive uh, form of enforcement from any kind of government entity entity is your local police officer. Um, so I do want to make note that there is we are going to talk about that a little bit, too, how. Um, police interaction is really our our most common interaction in terms of uh, coming in in contact with enforcement. Uh, and in fact, real, realistically speaking, unless you are in a disaster zone uh, somewhere in the United States or you are in a war zone outside of the United States, there's a very good chance you don't often see soldiers um, um, in any capacity other than, you know, them uh doing some kind of military exercise. Uh, I know by me, the, the army Corps of engineers was doing work on some of the, uh, on some of the dams and things in the Cuyahoga river. So I would see, I would see them from time to time, uh, working in, uh, working in some of the national park, working in parts of the national park, um, from time to time, but more likely, more than likely your, um, your interaction with the, with the body politics enforcement arm is in fact going to be your local police. So, again, like I said, the enforcement is, and we are going to be talking mostly about the military, but uh, we'll be talking about the police. And in, the enforcement does represent the most immediate and dangerous threat to the individual, um, the greatest physical threat to the individual. Um, and these are, you know, this would be the this would be the portion of the power of the excuse me of the uh, of the body politic that is going to is obviously going to enforce the will of the elites and to make sure that. Um, Make sure that the legislation is um, is being um, I, I don't know I guess enforced or I, I guess the legislation is being followed I guess yeah I, I don't know I kind of I kind of lost that my own uh, little example there but it doesn't really matter so anyway 
enforcement representing the greatest physical threat, the greatest threat to the individual, the most immediate danger. Um, and it's for uh, some obvious reasons, right? Uh, they're armed. They are they are usually armed. Uh, certainly in other countries, they might not be armed with a gun, but um, you know they might they still have uh, enough weaponry on them to make your day very miserable if, if they so choose. But obviously in our country, and in most countries, they have some kind of um, some kind of firearm uh, readily available, uh, some kind of baton readily available. They are uh, armed, and if they need more weaponry, they can obviously go get more weaponry. Um, there's Often, uh, you know, in these, in these, uh, in these, and by the way, we're talking about movies and stuff. We're not like, I'm not going to break down the police for you in any kind of real manner because that's, that'd be strange. Um, the police or the military in, in any real matter. Um, there's often multiple units, right? Like they, they are, they come in numbers. We're not just talking about sometimes in, um, in certain movies and stories, it might be the antagonist might be like one individual police officer or you know one you know one squad car or something but more often than not there's multiples it's usually multiple military units it's usually multiple um police squads whatever uh they are trained for violence the you know the peacekeeping aside in terms of the police and the the general you know even though there's a, a lot of soldiers that have other jobs besides being soldiers they are at the core trained for violence um this is the most important one, and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to pull this out out here to talk about a little bit more in depth. But they are sanctioned by the state to commit violence against the individual. It is really the most important part where, where we're deriving the most horror from uh, from this particular branch of the body politic. Um, and more often, more often than not, uh, in in pretty much any movie, TV show, book, whatever, when they when they show up, things usually get worse. Um, that it's never. Something I'll expand expand upon a little bit here, but generally speaking, if the military shows up uh, to a situation in in a movie or in in any kind of story, it's usually not good news. The situation rarely gets better. But to just to kind of stick with the first idea here, or the excuse me, the idea that I want to pull out here, state-sanctioned violence, I think, is the most important, um, the most important part of this, and where 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 you can derive the most horror from. And that's because again, there are there are state agencies. There are agencies, excuse me, at the at the state level, and I'm in that by the state level, I mean federal and obviously like the, your local state, whatever state you're living in. Um, but but there are um, there are agencies at, at both the federal and local state level that have the right to kill you. That's that is in their back pocket. They have the right to kill you should they feel even vaguely unsafe. Um, you know, they, they, they have the right to kill you. They have the, the right to, um, the additional rights to detain you. Uh, they have the additional rights to take things, you know, take your property from you because, because these, um, enforcement agencies do have the right in their back pocket to kill, to kill you should they feel threatened. Um, there's just something intimidating and kind of frightening about coming face to face with these, uh, these particular entities, even um, even on a, in a traffic stop, um, you know, you, maybe you you become a little bit more nervous. I mean, how often do you feel nervous? Just even not not even like to the point where you're like you know your anxiety ridden or something like that, but like you just sort of grip the steering wheel a little bit tighter when you drive by a cop car. You um, you know, like we uh, when I went to college, we were not terribly far from 
uh, we're not terribly far from an Air Force um, from an Air Force base. I, I'm pretty sure it's Air Force. Yeah. So every now and then you you would catch on on 75, you would catch like a um, you know a caravan of military vehicles going down the going down the highway, and like immediately it's kind of like oh shit something going on. I mean nothing's going on. They're just like going for some kind of training exercise or something. But like the, those kind of moments, there's just those moments when like you kind of you you just tighten up a little bit because of what their presence means in, in a certain way, and it really does. You know, and in more recent, in more recent times, with the real high-profile police shootings and real high-profile uh, police beatings, um, you know, these are like Exhibit A for how an encounter with the police or any other enforcement agency can go completely sideways, really in a, in a way that's very in a very quick way, um, and how the the end result is usually not on the person's side who is um you know who is who finds themselves the the target of uh, of some enforcement agent um and as i had mentioned before like like they can they can detain you they can chase you they can take your property generally speaking um when when uh, any kind of enforcement agent has a um has the I don't know. I guess not the not the feeling or the hunch that this is not the right way, but um, sort of in their judgment that you know they have like the rights to do certain things. Um, you know, they can really limit and take away your rights very significantly if they feel like if they feel like it's in their safety and it's in the best interest of their particular job duties. Um, they can they can come they can come close to taking away your rights, um, and usually. If you are, you know, not to get again, not to get too far down down the down the rabbit hole here, you know, really, what is your remedy for um, for being deta- you know being falsely or potentially illegally detained, or beaten up, or in the case of some of these high profile police shootings where uh, people were people got cu- people got killed um, in in situations where they didn't deserve to be killed, um, what's the remedy for it? And a lot of times the answer is almost nothing. Um, there obviously some of the more high profile deaths have actually resulted in um in successful prosecutions uh but very often the 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 enforcement agents that shoot and kill people beat people up whatever generally speaking get away with it right and i don't want to say get away with it like as if they've like that was like the intention but i mean that they're the repercussions the chance for repercussions for them is significantly smaller than if you or i did it because we again are not sanctioned by the state to commit violence against citizens um you know recent more recently there's one of the big issues is our property rights how people have cars towed property taken money taken from the scenes of crimes and um the 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 process for getting this their stuff back is so arduous that it it's almost like de facto um it's almost like de facto that like the police almost came and like just took their you know took their money from them uh but it's neither here nor there i don't want to get too far down that particular rabbit hole um so in terms of in terms of the movies and storytelling there's some like real some real significant implications about these kinds of uh about these kinds of enforcement uh and these kind of um forces that that are are I don't know. I guess wielding um, wielding armed men, uh, armed men and women at at the populace, right? So those who have the enforcement advantage 
make the rules, no matter how insane they sound. And this is something that I really wish they would explore a little bit more in certain um, in, in certain properties. But I think the best way to think about this is like the post-apocalyptic um, post-apocalyptic uh, horror and, and sci-fi kind of, um, you know, stories and properties. You know, I'm just going to pick out a couple here, um, but like The Walking Dead, right? The bigger, more established communities are enforcing their rules through very, very uh, aggressive and nefarious means. Um, you know, be it the governor, uh, it, early on in the governor, the with the governor enforcing uh, his rule of law through, um, you know, through kind of like a intimidation and um, I want to say he had, uh, oh gosh, didn't he have uh, Merle Dixon? I believe was one of his like was like his lead enforcement agent. You know, he kind of had uh, while while the rule of law was, um, you know, the general rule of law was uh how supposedly how um his town uh you know kept was kept so secure and everyone was so happy in reality merle dixon was like behind the scenes beating up people coercing them killing them whatever and then you know this obviously just the same idea just kind of keeps advancing all the way up to the um oh gosh i can't remember the name of the city but um i want to say like the the civic republic or whatever uh, you know, the way they kept their power was the way they kept their power and kept everyone in check was by, you know, really punishing and humiliating, um, you know, outsiders and outcasts and, and, and making certain people who are vulnerable, um, you know, they the um, making certain people who are vulnerable, like the the, the targets of their uh, of the enforcement of the uh, enforcement agencies in um, 28 days later. Another example here. Didn't actually didn't really mean to do two zombie movies, but um, or zombie movie and a zombie TV show, but um, they just came to mind right away. The um, the estate in Twenty Eight Days Later that's being run by the soldiers. Uh, they are once Jim uh, comes in with uh, gosh, I can't remember Naomi Harris's character's name, um, but once he comes in with Jim and uh, the young girl played by Megan Burns, I think was her. She really didn't do anything else besides this. Besides 20 Days Later. Um, but once they get there, they're, the soldier, it's like just immediately like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill Jim, and then we're going to take the two women and rape them. Like that's immediately like what this, the what this, um, this like pseudo jumpstart, you know, their idea is that they're going to jump re- restart civilization, right? And obviously they need women to do that and because, uh, you know, they need to, they need to impregnate them. Um, but it, you know, it's just an excuse to sort of go away with barbaric behavior, but, um, but that's just sort of, you know, that's just what the rules are, right? Like it's not, it's almost like they're doing it the, the way that the soldiers would tell, would tell you that they're doing what they're going to do is because like, that's like the, that's like their duty. That's their duty as soldiers. And it's the duty of the, uh, of the, of the young women at, as survivors of the apocalypse to then go procreate. In the same way that it is the duty of the governor to keep people safe, and how he keeps people safe is by breaking his own rules and um, enforcing rules rules however he feels fit, right? So that's you know that's sort of the that's sort of the the, the biggest one here um, when it comes to these types of stories. I think um, the next biggest thing here we're talking about like the distribution of supplies and protection um, is completely up to the superior force, and where this begins to to really matter is 
you know, it's it's probably the most the second most important thing here beyond rules. Right. Is, you know, you can you can armed coercion is great. But like if you can control what people are eating, where people are sleeping, um, if you can control whether or not people get get shelter and get protection, like that is just as effective as armed coercion. And it's very likely that people who want food, who want protection, who need medical supplies, who need whatever, they will do anything. They will do anything that uh, that you say to to make sure that they can get those things. And it's very very likely, and this is also very very important here, to ensure that they keep getting those things. They will then, you know, as I as I've mentioned multiple times before, and I'm going to continue to beat this dead horse uh, for this example. The, the Nazi party was not physically everywhere because they couldn't be physically everywhere. Germany is a big country. Um, you can't, you, it's not like there were 50 million um, Nazis. There was the Nazi party and there were, you know, 50 million Germans. And what they did and, you know, what, what, uh, what any enforce, what any uh, sort of enforcement um, group or, you know, government's enforcement arm could do was to, to make sure the people are, you know, still getting the things that they need, have them act as their eyes and ears, right? Um, get them to spy, get them to police each, get the, you know, you get the people to police each other and you get people to join your ranks uh, to inflict, uh, you know, violence against others. And that keeps, that makes sure that you kind of keep a, a very tight grip on, on power, supplies, everything else. It all just kind of comes in, you know, it's like the whole, the whole Megillah there. Um, you know, you, you really can sort of create your own police state, uh, that really works for the, for those in charge. Right. All right. Now, something I had mentioned before that I want to get into just a little bit more here. Um, you know, the idea of the idea of, I'll just call it like military rule. Um, and this is kind of expanding upon the idea that like when, you know, when, when a situation is, is happening, unfolding in, in these stories, and the military rides in. Um, it, it things that means a the situation is dire, and b um, b that means uh, things are probably about to get worse because they rarely ever get better. Um, you know, the military is the last resort, and if they are if they are around for an extended period of time, if the last resort becomes the only resort, there's a very good chance that the thing they're trying to keep at bay has won. Be it a horde of zombies, um, some kind of other creatures um, roaming the landscape. If if the military is still in your town, um, you know, months or potentially years after the um, initial event, chances are you lost and they did not make anything better. Uh, <clears throat> there's something that happens quite a bit in uh, not, not necessarily always in, in horror movies, but um, certainly in movies where the military kind of has a fascist or nefarious kind of bent to them, um, their mission might not be in alignment with the goals of the people they're supposed to protect. So if the town, I can think of one in particular, uh, the remake of The Crazies, where um, the military is sent in after, uh, I believe it's like a chemical, uh, like a, a military plane crashes and, and like some kind of like experimental um, bioweapon leaks into the water supply of this town in Iowa, I believe. And, um, you know, the military is called in to clean it up, but they just come and make things worse, just turns into this huge slaughter. Um, you know, people originally, well, I'm kind of skipping some details here, but 
like the the military's efforts to sort of keep everything in check make everything worse um and it you know it just doesn't jive with like what the you know and once they realize they lose control um you know then the military is now just trying to kill everybody and in fact they do uh drop a drop a nuclear weapon on this town in uh, in Iowa to, to quote unquote clean things up um so yeah the 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 military's mission might not be necessarily in alignment with uh with the with the people's um prerogative it's also very very possible very very possible that the reason for the calamity or the conditions of the clam for the calamity to even happen are in fact because of military rule or just the presence of the military in the first place if you if you haven't seen uh the movie the mist i highly highly recommend it really good stephen king adaptation one of my um Boy, what a brutal fucking ending to that movie! Um, but it's it's a great, good, very solid horror movie, um, very solid uh, King adaptation. But the mist is um, you don't get like a you don't get a ton of it. You just get like the the general idea and then uh, kind of confirmation from one soldier that the mist is uh, the mist, the, the titular mist that's covering the town and bringing all these fucking nightmare things from a different dimension. Um, it's an army experiment gone wrong. Um, they are the ones who caused it all and, you know, they're trying to clean it up and everything else, but it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out too well for, uh, doesn't work out too well for Thomas Jane and, uh, our other, uh, our other friends, uh, our other friends of the group of, uh, protagonists. But, um, you know, the mist is, is caused by the army. Um, the bunker in the cabin in the woods is clearly some kind of cooperation between various governments, and they obviously employ a paramilitary force uh, to keep, to sort of make sure everything is kind of running smooth and, and make sure everyone falls in line. There are definitely a lot of armed soldiers um, there to make th- make sure things go off without a hitch. Um, obviously, we see them all get fucking eviscerated um, in that great uh, release the monster scene. Um, but again, you know, this, this sort of, this idea that like the, the night the the actual you know if you think about it this way the actual creatures and nightmares and demons and other um supernatural uh, forces themselves are being contained by a military force as well um so kind of an interesting twist on that one but yeah military rule that that could be the another 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 kind of way that we're we're gonna kind of squeeze some more horror out of some of these stories all right and lastly here i'll wrap up this mini-sode talking about i don't think this is something that gets as much gets as much attention um in the horror realm as as uh obviously just like the you know the military comes into town and and things get worse or the military's got to fight zombies or whatever this is something i don't think gets as much attention and that's uh just kind of calling this like the the horrors of war and how those horrors really take a take a very heavy mental and emotional toll on the individual soldier. Um, this is especially true as I, again, as I had mentioned before uh, when we did movie may, how drastically, how drastically the beginning of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, the, the drastic change that warfare takes um, the, the way that technology really launches warfare into a completely different stratosphere from where it was really not that long ago um and how because of this once this once this warfare technology changes 
soldiers are seeing people die in ways that it had never happened before, um, in, in really particularly brutal ways that really had never happened before. They were just the general scenes of violence and general scenes of warfare were things that had never been seen before. Um, the the experience of combat in World War I um, was just unlike anything, absolutely anything that had come before it. And all of these sort of, all of these things, as you know, and not not to say that warfare has become any easier because every every new war has some kind of new new and absolutely jarring and terrible experience with it. It's just that like how how rapidly it changed from, um, as I mentioned, like the the like the the unification wars for Germany versus what would come and what would happen to Germany in uh, well in Europe all of Europe but you know what would happen then uh, when Germany went to war again in, in World War One were just just so vastly different and I don't think I don't think a lot of movies really cover I don't think a ton of movies really dive into the psychological impact sort of as it's happening is, is the way I'll put it uh, there are some movies that deal with people who have PTSD you know, horror movies that um, deal with people with PTSD, just thinking of like Jacob's Ladder jumps uh, right to mind. Um, I, I know there's another movie I'm thinking of right now, but I can't I can't recall the title. But there are definitely movies that cover the aftermath, like what it's like for um, a haunted war veteran, um, you know, and the sort of the daily the daily nightmare that they face uh, now uh, post war. I don't think there's a really I don't I don't recall there being a lot of movies that really get into the um the the crippling psychological nature of war sort of as it's happening right I, we just don't really get a lot of that um so that's just another thing to think about uh, as we get into these movies um and what are those movies i think i've already mentioned them at least once at this point in time but we are going to be watching day of the dead from 1985 and we're going to be exploring that idea of the the military rule the authoritarian rule and its pitfalls and how it is it is more or less doomed to fall apart every single time. And then uh, we're going to be taking on Death Watch. It's uh, this is the one that I'm very I'm most interested in. It's uh, from 2002 about a World War One battalion of British soldiers or squad of British soldiers, excuse me, um, that get they get stuck in a they get trapped in no man's land in a German trench and. They begin to um, experience the psychological horrors of war um, and hallucinate and have all kinds of crazy things happen to them. Uh, so we'll be getting into that. And there's a very slim possibility that I'll have time to get into a third movie, make this a triple feature. If I do, it'll it'll almost... I'm really kind of thinking about just making this part of... Um, like I said, I kind of probably want to do one like wrap-up mini-sode, and I might... I might do that as part of like the wrap up mini. So just do like five minutes on, uh, on another movie to cover, um, to cover some of the, some of the gaps. Uh, cause I, I would like to talk about like police again, talk about, uh, policing since it is, since that is more of the thing that we, um, that every single person at least once or twice in their life will come up against. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They'll come up in a situation where, and, uh, the police are involved in their lifetimes, and it wouldn't be the worst thing to uh, to see if I can't find something, a movie in which uh, we can talk about uh, that interaction being the the source of horror. But we shall see. We shall see. 
All right, so that's it for this mini-sode. We'll catch you next time. Uh, when, once again, we are covering Day of the Dead and Death Watch for our final Body Politic Fright Fest 5 double feature. Until then, thanks for listening, downloading, and we will catch you next time.